Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode number seven of the Just End the Suffering podcast, featuring New York sports talk from a long-suffering fan. I'm your host, Mike Phillips, and I've got another good show for you today. After I talked some Giants football last week, we're going to shift the spotlight to Gang Green this week, and I'm when I'm joined by Luis Torado Jr. of the Jet Press to talk about the big storylines to watch for the Jets in training camp. Be sure to stay locked in until the end of the show for the two-minute drill, where I offer my take on the ridiculous controversy Atlanta Braves announcers Chip Carey and Joe Simpson created about the Dodgers batting practice attire this weekend. We get it all rolling with our opening tip, where I take a look at some of the recent developments in the Bronx right after this. Y'all ready for this? And we're back with today's opening tip. Today we're going to take a look at the current situation for the New York Yankees. Now, this weekend, they finally rebounded. They win three out of four against the Kansas City Royals. They have two at home with Baltimore. Then they have a big series on the road in Fenway Park this weekend. Four against the Red Sox. The Yankees need to make make up some ground and get close to Boston because Boston is on the verge of trying to put this division away. Now, I got a sense from Yankee fans. I don't want to call it panic. I just got a sense that they sense some vulnerability with this team of late. I really noticed this after the Aaron Judge injury. When he gets when he got hit and broke and broke a bone in his hand, courtesy of Jacob Junis, a bunch of Yankee fans went on Twitter and were ripping Junis for trying to injure their player. That's complete nonsense. Junis is a professional baseball player. He has no intention of trying to injure another guy. Nenos didn't sit in his dugout and say, while well, he's rocking the 2015 World Series ring and saying, okay, Junis, go knock Judge out because I have a grudge against the Yankees. That didn't happen. Even with Judge, the Yankees haven't been great of late. Since July 9th, the Yankees are just 9-8 over the last 17 games. 9-8. Now, now keep in mind, the Yankees are still 67-37 and 37 this year. They're 30 games over 500. In any, any other regular year, that's not a big deal. It's just a blip on the radar. They get back on track. But this is not a regular year. The Red Sox don't lose. The Red Sox are 74-33. and 33. The Yankees are 30 games over 500, but they play in a division with a team that's 41 games over 500 and trail by five and a half games, four in the loss column. This weekend, the series with these two teams is huge, and the Yankees have a lot of issues to think about. They have an injury situation they have to deal with. I don't care what any Yankee fan says, losing Aaron Judge is huge. Guys who hit 285 with 26 homers and 61 RBIs just don't grow on trees at this point. Gary Sanchez is also a big loss. I know he's not playing well. I know he's had his issues. I know Yankee fans love Austin Romine. But you have to wonder if he gets exposed the more he plays regularly. The other thing you got to worry about is Luis Severino. Over his last four starts, Severino has been very bad. In those outings, he's pitched 19 of third innings, gave up 20 runs, 19 of those earned, with seven homers and an 8.85 ERA. Over his previous 18 starts, Severino pitched 118 of third innings to a 1.98 ERA, Gap only 27 runs, 26 earned, with six homers allowed. Severino's given up more home runs in his last four starts than the previous 18 combined. The Yankees do not have the pitching depth behind Severino. They need to fix him and get him on track because if he is going to struggle and slump the rest of the way, that's a huge problem. The rotation isn't very deep beyond him. You're telling me you're counting on Masahiro Tanaka or CeCe Sabathia to be your ace in the hole in the playoffs? J.A. Happ is, is a good pitcher, but he's not going to save you. He's not a top guy. Severino is their best chance at a top guy, unless the Mets somehow decide in the next 48 hours that they're going to trade Jacob DeGrom over the Bronx, which is not going to happen. 
The fact of the matter is that the Yankees need to get back on track if they want to get back into the division race and avoid the one-game playoff. Now, they were in the one-game playoff last year, and they got through it. They beat the Twins. But everybody forgets, Severino was bad in that one-game playoff. Last year, he pitched a third inning, gave three runs on four hits with two homers. Now, the Yankees were able to survive that because the Twins pitching staff is bad. The lineup was able to, to bash their way back into the game. The bullpen held it together. They got through to the uh, divisional series where they beat the Indians and went on their merry way. You don't want to take that chance again. Anything can happen in one game. Severino is the guy who's going to start that game, most likely. And, I mean, you don't know. He could pitch a great game. He could go eight innings around one run on three hits and strike out 12. He could give you another stinker like he did last year. Now, this isn't to say the season's over by any means. There's plenty of time for the Yankees to get Justin Sanchez back. They can get Severino back in a group. But if you don't, if the Yankees have a bad weekend, drop three out of four in Boston, that's going to be very hard for them to catch up in that division since the Red Sox never lose. The only way they can do that is to get hot. The Yankees have a chance because their schedule in August is incredibly easy. The Yankees schedule to play 29 games in August. You want to know how many of those games are against winning teams? Seven. And that's with Tampa Bay at 500 for the other three. The Yankees have five with the lousy Orioles, who are now without Manny Machado, six with the awful Chicago White Sox, four with Texas, three with Toronto, two with Detroit, two with Miami, and a makeup with the, lous- with the miserable Mets. The opportunity to fatten up on the bad teams is there. The Yankees just need to take advantage of it. With that, let's shift gears to the gridiron. Up next, we're going to break down the start of Jets training camp with at least Toronto Jr., the heir of the Jet Press. Welcome back to the Just End the Suffering podcast. We started our football preview last week with a look at the Giants, so today it's time to turn our attention to the Jets. Joining me now to talk about the latest surrounding gang greens, the editor of the Jet Press over at Fansided, Luis Torado Jr. Luis, welcome. How are you doing today? Pretty good. How about you, Mike? I'm doing very good. Tell me a little bit about the Jet Press and how you got involved with it. Well, uh, it was about four years ago. I uh, went to Fansided for, uh, to write about the New York Giants over at Humanity. And I was waiting and waiting and waiting for a spot to open up at the Jet Press. And when it did, I applied. I got it. And it was cool because I originally grew up a Giants fan. But as I got older, I don't know, something about the green and white uniforms of the Jets really attracted me to the team. And this was during the time that Tessa Verde and Corbett and Martin, and that's what got me hooked. And then I was happy to be able to write about my favorite team. Yeah, it sounds like we came in about the same time. I'm, my first year with the Jets was 98 when they went to the championship game with that crew. And then I got sucked in and didn't know what I was getting into <laughs> at that point. Yeah, it, it was a great time. Like, I, I was a teenager around the time, and it was just awesome. Ever since then, like, I I couldn't wait to just write about something that I love. I used to write about wrestling, and then obviously the New York Giants, and now it just feels at home. I get to write about a team that hopefully, before I hit 80 years old, this team will win a Super Bowl, which would be nice. Yeah, well, we have more time than some of our uh, f- fellow fans, but let's get, let's get right into today's team, so... Before we get to the big story, how do you think they did in free agency? Because this this time around, they had a lot of cap room. Unlike 15, when McCagan threw it all away on older guys who had experience, he sent he spent his money on the young guys who were coming into their prime, supposed to exiting it. Do you think that was a better strategy? I like it. I think this offseason was a good one. I, I like how the Jets and Suzuki McCagan kind of build up the secondary of the Jets. The NFL is a passing league. So when you can bolster that part of the team, hopefully that's a strength. That way, it kind of alleviates some of the pressure from the lack of a pass rush. And I love uh, what to do with Jermaine Johnson and Jamal Adams looks great. Mark May looks great. Like they got they got a good little nucleus there that I think once they build up the pass rush, maybe next offseason, it'll be more of a complete defense. But I like what it did so far this offseason in the free agency. 
Yeah, and right before we came on today, Sam Darnold finally ended the holdout, signed his contract, got the slow clap coming out to practice today. I, I mean, he missed only a couple of days, but how do you think this is going to affect his chances to win the starting job? I don't think it affects him at all. It's only a few days that he missed, and I kind of figured it will probably get done over the weekend, and I was hoping that at the start of the week he can just go in fresh and start competing. Uh, it's only three days, so I don't think he misses a lot. It's not like he's a fifth-string quarterback or anything. He's a smart guy. And I don't know if you saw, he's been hitting like almost every pass at training camp today. I think only like one or two, which is very, very good compared to what McCann and Bridgewater were doing, which they were doing all right. But this kid has the potential to do it. So I hope that everything works out good and he gets his shots. I really think he could probably earn it if everything falls into place. I'm glad you brought up Teddy Bridgewater because I, my opinion, he's one of the most under the radar signs his team made over the over the winter. They gave him the game the contract. He hasn't had a chance to play since he had the bad knee injury at the Vikings a couple of years ago. What do you think the Jets actually expect out of him? Do you think he's going to be on the team? Do they trade him? I think they're going to keep him. Uh, no matter what happens, like if Darnell plays lights out, uh, the Jets are unfortunately the Jets, and you never know what can happen because if something happens to Bridgewater where he gets hurt, God forbid, or let's say Bridgewater gets hurt. I mean, I'm sorry, if uh, McCown gets hurt, then who knows what can happen. So any scenario that happens, it's best to keep all three. Because, again, injury can happen. Who knows if Darnold, he might start out okay, but then he could fizzle out. And then what do you do? You, you can't really go back to McCown. And then what if Bridgewater ends up being a great quarterback? So if, if I'm the Jets, I would just keep all three. Whoever wins, wins. And just rock the season depending on how the play goes. If, let's say, Darnold plays great and McCown is you know still doing what he does as a backup, then you could trade Bridgewater before the trade deadline. But I, I hope they don't get rid of him before anytime soon because that could be a problem yeah do you think this is actually a competition where all three of the guys have a chance to win or do you think they kind of want darnold to get the job oh they want darnold to get the job i mean mccown's on his last year uh bridgewater again great story this offseason i'm happy he's doing good but it's all on darnold they 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 spend so much to move up in this year's draft to get him it just makes logical sense to start the kid and but they want to do it in a way where he earns it they don't want to just give it to him like they did with sanchez and end up blowing up in their face so i really think they have everything in hoping this kid plays well does well in preseason and it's just a no-brainer but we got to wait to see because preseason will be starting soon and that'll be the real test if this kid can do it or not yeah i know the jets had a very busy off season they got bridgewater they tried to get his teammate jared mckinnon missed out on that because they signed the contract with the niners but they think they made another good pickup there running back position with isaiah crowell how do you think he's going to help that group oh he's going to be great I think this is a good opportunity for him to get out of that whole losing ways of the Browns and get with a team that is going to hopefully have a better balanced offensive system. I know they're going to keep doing the West Coast offense, but it's going to be very important to have some kind of a, a presence that running back. And don't get me wrong, I love Powell. I think Powell's awesome. But Crowell is going to be an extremely good running back for the Jets, and I think this will rejuvenate him to do really good. And I, I like it. I, I really hope they, they stick to him and they stick to running the football and just open up everything else in the passing game. Yeah, another area on this team that's gotten interesting is the receiver room, which is very crowded. You got bring back Curse and, and Robbie Anderson from last year. Quincy Nguyen was coming off the injury. They bring in Terrell Pryor. They bring in Andre Roberts. Bring in uh, Charles Johnson, and they have the two kids they drafted last year, Chad Hansen and Ardarius Stewart. How do you think that group shakes out? How many do you think actually make the team? I think five. I don't think they're going to get more than five. But what's going to save some of these kids is if they can do punt or kickoff returns or at least do something on special teams. Um, I think they're going to may, maybe maybe keep six, only because they got to see how Nunoa does and how he performs. Because, again, 
another great story. He's coming off the neck injury. He had to get surgery. Hopefully, remember he well, he reminds people that he could still be a good legitimate wide receiver. But I've seen a lot. I've been covering football for thirty plus years, so watching football and covering for like the past almost twenty years, and. You never know when these players come off of a neck surgery. A neck injury kind of makes you second-guess things. So there's no guarantee he can be the same player, and it's good to have more options than less. And like you said, they're stacked on our receivers. So if they eat maybe six and see how everything goes, I think it could hopefully be a good unit, but I'm not holding my breath because, again, who knows what can happen. Yeah, no. One guy I've heard a lot about, like in the all the offseason workouts, is Chad Hansen, who like did nothing last year, and now all of a sudden people are thinking he's going to have a big impact on the team. Do you see that? Uh, it, again, it's hard because this, this is just off-season stuff. Uh, I always tell people the truth when it comes to football. you got to wait to see how they do in preseason because it's cute when they do all this in T-shirts and shorts and they're not really playing real defenses. Uh, like you said last, he didn't do anything. I was watching him play. He looked confused. He was messing up routes. And I think it was just the rookie growing pains. I hope he does better this year, but I, I don't believe anything that happens in the off-season or training camp until preseason. And then I know for sure this kid's going to be worth something. I think I saw something on Twitter recently about some Jet fan made like a mock-up of a core, of a core four like poster where they put like they put uh, Leonard Williams on there, Darnold, and the two safeties. One guy I know who didn't make that cut was Darren Lee, and he's been very hit or miss his first two years. You think he makes the leap and is a core guy starting this year? That's uh, a hard one because I know they're giving him more responsibility to make plays and call the plays. He did all right last year, but he, he didn't really hit that potential that I thought he could do when they drafted him. And I remember the whole offseason incident last year kind of rattled him a little bit. He had to disappear off social media for a while. Where like I'm not sure you saw it, the whole video with Leonard Williams picking him up, putting him out that nobody knows what exactly happened. So I think he's just trying to put that behind him and play better football. But I, I don't I don't see it personally. Um, I think he probably needs another year before he can reach that potential. And then by then, he'll be playing for his next contract. So I hope he does good this year. But I think that's why the Jets picked up uh, Amy Williams, because they knew got to give him somebody that can kind of give him the experience to do better in that role, because who knows? It's like 50-50. I think 2019, he'll probably do a little bit better than what this year fits. Yeah, and you mentioned before, you mentioned the secondary, which is loaded now, because you have Tremaine Johnson coming in. They bring back Claiborne. Screen can go back to the slot where he's actually pretty good, and they have the two safeties. They're going to have another year under their belts. Do you think this group's the strength of the defense? Oh, 100%. That, that's the only thing on the entire team that I'm fairly confident will be among the best in the NFL. Should they be a top-five unit? Maybe. It depends on how everything falls into place during the regular season, but top-ten unit for sure. And I really like the talent there and what they're going to be capable of doing. Okay, do you have any other on the under the excuse me? You have any under the radar guys that you have your eye on that can play a big role for the team this season? Oh, I got my money on my man Trenton Cannon. Uh, he's a hybrid; he could do running back or special teams, uh, kickoff, punt returns. Um, he's been doing good the past few days in training camp, and I really hope that things pan out because it's been years since the Jets had anybody return a touchdown on special teams. That is you know, anything new. So I'm hoping that uh, the way this guy can, maybe he can develop into that particular role. And at least, even if he doesn't get a touchdown or even score a touchdown next season, just give them better field position because God knows it's been so long since they've had that. It's always a fair catch, a fumble. It's always some mishap that happens. So it'd be nice to have someone that's talented returning kicks and punts. Yeah, I've, I've, I mean, the last guy who returned a kick was what, Joe McKnight? Yeah, rest in peace. That was an long, long time ago. 
And I don't know. I hope I hope Cannon works out. I know they got lucky white. I mean, I even saw Robbie Anderson uh, returning kickoff and punt returns on training camp. So hopefully they just get something, someone going there. And I got. I think Cannon's going to be really good. And I think he could be the, like that emergency running back and maybe a featured uh, punt return kickoff for Tesla's. Yeah, one guy I'm keeping my eye on is a uh, the guy they got from the Colts, Henry Anderson, the defensive end, because I have a friend who's a Colt fan. He told me that like he's a talented player. He just has a bad scheme fit in Indianapolis. That he has, he thinks he has the ability to be a big player in the Jets system. So, do you agree with that assessment? Yeah, I do. I hope so because I mean, Leather Williams, he he needs help. He he's not going to be able to go back to what he was in his rookie season unless they give him a bookend defensive end that can kind of complement his style of play. I hope it works out because I did hear the same thing that he was. He was a very good player, and then I think he had like that throat injury or something that uh, sidelined him. So hopefully he can step up and kind of take off the pressure off of Williams. And that, I mean, if that happens, and let's say it does get a good pass rusher at the linebacker core, or something just to alleviate that for Williams, I think Williams could have like the biggest year of its career in 2018. Hopefully, yeah. I mean, with this team. Everyone's going to be focusing on Darnold. I think the biggest guy under the microscope besides him is uh, Coach Todd Bowles. Just ten and twenty-three since he beat the Patriots late twenty fifteen. Put them on the put them out of the play. Put them right there for the playoffs. Then the Buffalo game happens. Everything falls <laughs> apart after that. And he's looking for talent. I mean, he, we even saw him in the MCU scouting Luke Cage. How do you feel about him as the coach of this football team? I love it compared to what we had to deal with during the Rex Ryan era. Uh, I think his style of being strict and quiet works well with this kind of market in New York. I don't think he's on the hot seat. I don't think they're going to fire him if he has another losing season. Because you have to give him and McCagney at least another year or two after Darno gets developed. So that's the biggest thing. You can't really get rid of a guy or the culture regime if they don't have an established franchise quarterback. If Darno is playing and he's starting and he's not playing good, then okay, makes sense to clean house. But for this season, I really like Bowles, and I think he's a perfect guy to kind of keep everybody aligned and they get rid of all the bad apples of the past couple of years. And he has his thumper on the organization. He's not a perfect coach. I know he messes up in the heat of the moment in football games, and he has the fourth-quarter meltdowns and, you know, the whole lack of discipline and just making sure the players stay focused on football and not have their names on the headlines for all our reasons. I, I think he has to touch up on that. But overall, compared to the Rex Ryan era and other head coaches, I think he's fine. This will be a good year to see how he does with hopefully Darnold starting and having a franchise quarterback because this kid is everything that people say he is and he starts winning like six or eight games for the Jets, it's going to make his life easier and he'll be a better head coach because of that. One less thing to worry about. Yeah, I just wonder with him because I know he's had some questionable moments here. I wonder if this could be like a Ram situation where like they take the quarterback, he hasn't developed, and they actually like go 5-11 and again, they fire him and bring somebody to coach Darnold up. Yeah. I mean, I don't. It's. I don't think it's just him. I know they have offensive coordinators and quarterbacks coaches, and they have a whole bunch of stuff for Darno. I just think that um, that that's the biggest black cloud when it comes to any coach. It's all about the quarterback play. And like you said, imagine if they get rid of him after like another losing season, but then the next guy comes in after Darno gets developed with the right people on offense, that he just starts dropping like dimes and starts winning a lot of games. That's not really fair to Bowles, who was there during the rookie year. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. I mean. One thing I've noticed about this team is that, like, I feel like they're getting really underrated because, I mean, Madden has them as the worst team in the game except as, like, a 72 overall, which I don't buy because the Browns still exist. And <laughs> the two teams in the division, Buffalo and Miami, actually, actually, I think have actually taken steps to get worse. I feel like the Jets actually have a chance, like, to actually do well in the division, not catch New England, obviously, but maybe they could even get to second place if everything breaks right. 
Oh, yeah, that'd be, that'd be amazing. The only problem is, is that it's the Patriots or the Patriots. And until Brady and Belichick retire, they, every other team in that division, and, and a lot of teams are going to be on the outside looking in. Yeah, how do you think they stab specifically against Miami and Buffalo? Because I think those are the two they're going to be directly competing against in terms of like trying to get to the, close to the top of the division. I'm excited to see like the whole Darnold versus Allen era begin over the next like decade if both players you know play to the what they're supposed. Um, I think on paper the Jets will probably be able to beat the Dolphins. The Bills are a wild card because they're they're a weird team. Like sometimes they'll play extremely good, other times they play extremely silly. So I don't know about them. But I know for sure the Jets should be able to surprise sweep the Dolphins. They might take one away from the Bills. They're not going to beat the Patriots unless the turmoil and the distractions hit them and they have a flat year, maybe. But uh, it'll be an interesting year because I think for football, when the AFC East has a lot of competitive teams, it's better for the game of football. I don't know if it happened this year, but definitely in the future, all these quarterbacks in place should be fun to watch. Okay, I know you have to run. So before you go, you want to let everybody know how to follow you on social media and some other stuff you're up to? Sure, thank you. I'm um, Louis Rider Jr. You guys can find me on Twitter. It's at LTJ81. You could also find me on Facebook. It's at my full name, Louis Rider Jr. Just type in LTJ81. It comes up there. And you guys can find my work at thejetpress.com. And I also write about video games. So if you guys want to read some cool stuff on Madden coming out, I also write for apptrigger.com. All right, cool. Thanks for the time, Luis. Thank you, Mike. You have a good one and keep up the great work on your show. You too. That was Elise Toronto Jr. talking Jets football. Coming up next, today's two-minute drill, where I take a look at BP Gate from Atlanta over the weekend. And we're back with today's two-minute drill. Now, everyone knows that baseball tends to be a very traditional game that is resistant to change. What other sport does one half of the league play by a different set of rules than the other? Baseball's been working hard to try and attract the younger fans, but a big reason why they haven't gravitated to the sport is the traditionalists who tend to have a temper tantrum anytime something defies tradition. We had a great example of that this weekend, when the Los Angeles Dodgers took on the Atlanta Braves in a big series down at uh, SunTrust Park. That got overshadowed by some controversy, courtesy of Braves play-by-play team Chip Carey and Joe Simpson discussing the Dodgers' batting practice attire. Take a listen to this, courtesy of Chad Moriyama on Twitter. You know that I grew up in the Dodger organization and certainly was taught how to play professional baseball and do things the right way. I want you to look at some things that were going on today in batting practice here with the Dodgers. What do you see? T-shirts, you see Chase Utley with no socks and pants up over his knees. T-shirt. This was prevalent with their whole team. And I think about play, uh, fans that come to SunTrust Park who are Dodgers fans and want to see their players. They had no idea who any of, any of them were. Nobody had any kind of uniform or batting practice shirt on with their name on their jersey. They looked very unprofessional. Uh, and I think I can say this because I know what the Dodger organization was all about. There's the butt. It is perfect. But if I were a Dodger fan, I'd be embarrassed. And I don't know how Major League Baseball allows such attire when the gates are open and fans are watching. Uh, Chase Utley, I've had nothing but respect for him his whole career. I think he's a great player, and I thought he always played the game the right way. 
That was an embarrassment what he had on today during batting practice. Yeah, when you think of all the merchandising the Major League Baseball does with their practice uniforms and the batting practice jerseys, I'm with you. Why not? Well, it's called a uniform for a reason. Are they serious? This is literally the most you kids get off my lawn moment ever. The game has a lot of problems, including the overuse of shifts, way too many strikeouts, not enough contact, and endless prey of pitching hazes. But we're drawing the line at what the Dodgers wear to batting practice? Come on. Who cares what the Dodgers wear to work out before the game? It's not like Chase Utley decided to go start at second base in a t-shirt and shorts. Speaking of Utley, who I despise the Mets fan, his big offense is wearing a t-shirt that said K-Cancer. The guy is trying to send a positive message about beating cancer and he's getting ripped because he's not wearing an official Dodgers pullover in BP? Give me a break. Now, Simpson met with Utley before the game yesterday and showed remorse for what he said, according to Braves beat writer Mark Bowman, which is great. The problem is that there are too many traditionalists around, like Simpson, who are resistant to any type of change baseball makes. Newsflash, guys. This isn't the 1950s anymore. People don't wear suits and ties to go to baseball games. Guys don't stay on one team forever anymore. This is the 21st century. If baseball lifers spend too much time trying to chase the kids off the lawn, there won't be enough kids left to care about the sport in 50 years. And that's going to do it for today's show. I want to thank my guest, Luis Torado Jr., for stopping by to talk Jets football. If you want more good stuff like this podcast, be sure to check out the blog over at justendthesuffering.wordpress.com. You can also subscribe to the podcast now on iTunes. Simply search Just End the Suffering in the podcast app, and you can get brand new episodes of the podcast as soon as they are available. Feel free to leave star ratings and feedback if you subscribe. You can also follow me on Twitter at mphillips331. That's M-P-H-I-L-L-I-P-S-331. Feel free to tweet at me with the hashtag GetOffMyLawn if you made it to the end of today's show. Stay tuned for our next podcast, which will be dropping later this week and offer a look at how both the Mets and Yankees did at the trade deadline. Until then, I hope you have a better week than Padres fans. (laughs) 